Family, radio that was made just for you. Voice America Women's Radio Network. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Social worker with a microphone. A reputation for that, by the way. I like it. You're listening to Voice America Women's Network, and it's Lauren Beller and Catherine Zox. And good morning. Thanks for being with us this morning. And you guys on the West Coast, it's very early in the morning, and out here in the East Coast, it's only 10 o'clock. I almost didn't make it out of bed this morning to do my show. <laughs> Lying in bed with my boyfriend. <laughs> and suddenly I said, I have a show to do. But I'm, I was prepared. I prepared last night, so I'm okay. Um, how are you? How am I? I'm good. Yeah. I'm, I'm not in bed with my boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> You're in bed with your baby. I heard the baby, right? Two-year-old. Yeah. I'm um, up and ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got two ladies on this morning. We have uh, Kim Regenhard, and she's written this book called A Survivor's Guide for the Breast Cancer Journey. It's really good. I mean, it's like unfortunately applies to a lot of women, and if not directly, whether you've had breast cancer or not, your mother, your sister, your cousin, your best friend, we can go down the line, unfortunately. But she's really cool, and she, she was diagnosed, I think, when she was 41 or 42 years old with breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the next lady, Lauren, you're going to love this one. This is Nell, I don't, maybe you know her, uh, Nell Marino. Of course. Do you? Absolutely. Yeah, I knew that. I don't know how you knew that. No, Merlino, I'm pronouncing it, because you're in the business, and she's like this, uh, she's, she's doing some cool stuff, that one is. Mm-hmm. Have you spoken to her before? I not, Actually, I've met her face-to-face. I don't, um, I haven't spoken to her in a while, a couple well, years. Well, she's like really, if you go to, you can go to the, her website or go to the website, Count Me In, and she is the one who is the founder of Take Your Daughters Back to Work, mm-hmm. um, which she'll be able to do soon. Actually, your daughter is at work. She comes to work with me all the time. You don't have to do that, right? (laughs) Uh, Which is true of a lot of women today. They're working uh, at home. But she has now started this not-for-profit called Launch. She launched it called Count Me In, which is a nonprofit to help women fund their businesses and help them make a million dollars with their businesses because the stats aren't too good, and she'll tell us about that. Women start businesses, but they don't make a lot of money or they don't make over a million. They don't generate it, revenue of over a million dollars. I think Small I think, percentage, too. Like 3%, I yeah, think. Yeah, tiny. Tiny percent. Although, so, I was talking to a guy we had, a couple days ago. We had him over for dinner, and he was the CEO of a big company. And he said, well, how many men, actually? What are the, you know what? What are the stats on men who start businesses? How many of them make over, you know, Individual entrepreneurs make over a million dollars or generate over a million dollars in revenue. I bet you Nell will have the answer to that. We hope so. <laughs> she should. So you met her a couple of years ago at mm-hmm. a business meeting? Uh, at a business. It was yeah. a business event in New York. She was at a Women's Leadership Exchange a number of years ago. See, that's the thing about women. They're really starting to get into the networking that we need to network and we haven't, that, that, you know, haven't been in that old boy network. So we have been over the past few years generating our own networking thing, and I think it's, it's starting to, you start to see it because you know now. It's, yeah, well, I also think that there's a thing, networking is important, but I do think women don't take it, don't use it fully. In other words, our network, it's great that we're networking again, and are we utilizing the contacts we're meeting? 
that's a good point. You mean you meet them and then we don't do anything about it? Yeah, we don't follow it through, I think, to the extent that men do. So it's, I'm glad that we're networking, and I always find that networking events can be a little foo-foo. You know, we need to move it up and really be sure that we're using those contacts to, the, to our fullest benefit. And I don't mean use them in a negative way. I mean use them in a positive way for both, you know, mutual benefit. You're right, because I've been to a lot of meetings, and I think I'm guilty of that, because I'll go. Women like to talk, and, and when you're at the meeting, and get there doesn't seem to be a problem with that, like you know, getting the information, getting people's cards, talking to people. But when you actually go back and get back to your own businesses, you don't follow through with it. Exactly. I'm, and I, I'm guilty of that. I sit here with, like, I've got all these cards and people's email addresses, and I need to follow up on them. And don't do, I mean, I do, but not as much as, I guess if that's what you're saying, not as much as men, and that promotes business. I definitely, I think men, they have a, there's a reason that they're there. They smooth and they have a good time, but they, you know, they, I don't think it's conscious. I don't, I mean, I don't, maybe it's conscious. I shouldn't say that. You know, they have a, they'll find ways that it's a win-win more quickly. I just think that I, they narrow in on it and do business and move out, you know, move on. Yeah. None of the, as you say, the fluffy stuff. They yeah. Just, yeah, they hone in. Well, here's some fluffy stuff. Uh, <laughs> speaking of, <laughs> speaking of fluff, uh, it's not really fluff. Jenny Block, she was author of "Open: Love, Sex, and Life in an Open Marriage." Hello. Let's hear more. <laughs> Hello. I know. Yes, it's very uh, well. Uh, Jenny wrote. I, I read the book, and then I had interviewed her on another show, and she has this like very. You know, there used to be this whole open marriage thing in the seven in the seventies. It was popular, people were doing it, um, talking about it anyway. And then it kind of went by the, you know, I never heard too much about it. But anyway, she she lives in the South. She's a mom. She has a nine-year-old daughter. She, her, she's been married for 10 years. Hey, this is like having your cake and eat it, too. Uh-huh. And a lot of people resent her for that. But you got to get the book and read it because she talks about how she's, she, her, she, her, there are three of them in this relationship, okay, she and her husband and then also her best girlfriend, who is also her lesbian lover. So her husband, as she says, is not jealous of her lesbian lover. Friends accuse her of being a lesbian, not wanting to admit it, not wanting to be with her husband, but that's not true. And if you read the book, I mean, she and her husband have a really good relationship. So she said it's just like sleeping with your girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it works out great. And And she's an author. She writes for some very prominent magazines. And uh, and it works for that for her. And, like it, her, I guess the thesis is like kind of redefining relationships. Like there are other choices besides the traditional, traditional kind of either you're married or you're not married kind of relationship that we sort of we espouse to in the United States. Although don't, we don't really live up to it because everybody's you know seventy percent of men say they've had affairs and thirty percent of the women say they've had affairs. So I mean, what we say and what we do not the same thing. And is that, so is her situation considered an affair or not? No, hers is, no, hers is not an affair because her husband knows. I mean, he's very... Oh, okay. Yeah, so, he's, so, they don't have a threesome. It's not like their three of them are in bed together. It's like they, he just knows about it. And she says he doesn't have another relationship. But he has the, he, it gives him the feeling that he could if he wanted to. Now, I don't know how she'd feel if he did because it seems to me like she's got it all. Well, or would he have to sleep with a guy? Well, that's what I said. <laughs> Does he have to sleep with a guy? No, he doesn't have to sleep with a guy. He can sleep with a, another woman. Like she said, he'll go to a bar and he'll flirt and stuff. But he, you know, he doesn't. He's never had another partner while he's been married to her. Interesting. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I do think that... What do you think? I think <laughs> that if we want something and we have a vision for what, it, what that is, there's always someone in the world we could design it with if we wanted to. Well, that's a very academic answer. <laughs> in other words, I, don't, I never would have thought of that as, a, as even an option. So, and I think that if I was really attached to that scenario, there's probably another person or, you know, obviously two people that would be up for it if I was, you know, went and sought it, sought after it, I guess is the right way to say it. So, uh, so what are you saying? You're saying that you hadn't really thought about, well, hey, if you had an affair, you thought of, I mean, everyone has thought of that. I mean, you get right I mean to be in a relationship yeah. with a man and a woman at yeah. the same time exactly. and have it be like a part of the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I do think that there's a way to have it all, but you have to first know, I mean, we get ourselves in the box. I do. You know, I'm like, you know, the box has to look like a man with a woman and only that and nothing more. And I get myself in that box, of course, and I think millions of us do. So she's just opening up the box to say, I'm not going to, I'm not wearing that box, you know. That's exactly what she's doing. And if you read her book, uh, and I should mention the name of the book again, Open, Love, Sex, and Life in an Open Marriage. Uh, I mean, all of those questions she addresses. And it's interesting, her father was a rabbi. Oh, my God. Her parents were parents of the 60s. You know, they were very, you know, free-spirited, that kind of stuff. How old is she? 38. So she's younger than I am. Mm -hmm. She's like 38, maybe even 37, 37, 38. And she realized that um, a box, that's exactly, I don't know if she described it as that, but just like what you're saying, this box, like we create these boxes for ourselves. We do. All these little, tiny little, there was a song, those tiny little boxes. I love that, ticky-tacky, yeah. tiny, tiny boxes. Boxes, and then yeah. we think we have to live out our lives in these boxes, and then, and we're not miserable, but we're not really satisfied, and we don't, we're, you know, not that you have to go out and have a lesbian relationship, ladies, but there may be other alternatives, other relation, you know, other you don't have to be in this tight little box. No, that's it's exactly what her, her message is to the world. And it's not that we have to get in her box because that's her box. You know, that's her world that she created for herself. So the big question was, well, what about your daughter? What does she think? You know, you go. She to has the, one daughter. She has one daughter. You go to PTA meetings. You know, soccer games and all that stuff. You know, is it weird for her? How do you talk to her? Well, she had a good answer. She said, you know, I talked. I talked to her just like I mean, any child. Well, you know, they, they may they'll ask you about sex, but it's really none of their business what you do in the bedroom with your husband. So you're not going to talk about that anyway. So there's really no need for her to have that kind of information because she knows that. Of course, now the book is out, but uh, <laughs> she can read. I mean, nothing sacred now. Nothing sacred now, but it's like you know. So because uh, her girlfriend is just her girlfriend to her daughter, she said. But that kind of has to change after the book and being on the radio and television and stuff. I would think. I don't know. Uh, it's interesting. It is. It's open for discussion. That's yes. for sure. Well, she said she believes that you know people would be in open marriages if it were more uh, socially permissible. I think she's probably right. I think she is too. Because it would allow people to, uh, bigger boxes, you know, yes. bigger room to try new, new and different things. Well, what she says, I mean, Lauren, she says like most people are in non-monogamous relationships and they simply lie about it. Mm-hmm. And that's true. And it's sad too. Yeah, it is sad. So I mean, it's just. You know, it's back to that they really, they say one thing, but they do something else. Right. You know, and so, um, man, it's just an interesting concept, I thought. I don't know. I'm too old. I have, <laughs> I'm lucky I have my boyfriend. <laughs> I'm a lucky gal. I mean, I was on the beach. Well, this is like, this was such a backhanded comment. I'm on the beach, and there is, 
uh, I'm talking to a, a young woman and her baby, and, you know, really nice anyway. But and I'm looking at her little girl, four years old, and she was just a real sweetheart. And, actually, you know, I'm in Provincetown, so her partner came, who's a woman, and she's, like, just a little bit older, probably your age. And then I introduced myself, and I said something about having my 60th birthday here last year. Uh-huh. And she looks like, oh, my God, she goes, there's hope. <gasps> now... <laughs> <laughs> it was like okay, you know, because I had my baby. I didn't look terrible. I guess I looked good enough, but it was sort of like hope for what? That you know, is like so funny. Yeah, hope. I mean, I know she meant it as a compliment, but it was kind of like oh, it was. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah, I'll have to remember that one. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah, well, there's hope. Catherine, you give us all hope. Yeah, give us all hope. Like Barack Obama, hope. Yeah, yeah. What is, what is, what's happened with I haven't, you know, we've had oh, guests here and the, I haven't really, yeah. It's all about the silly ad that just came out that McCain did with Paris Hilton and, uh, the, you know, the other, um, Britney oh. Spears. He came out with an ad with Paris Hilton and Britney Spears. So tell me about it. Uh, McCain I'm came out comparing Obama to those two. Like, you know, just a celebrity, nothing more. And celebrity being a bad thing. So that's the big news this morning. So Obama, they're saying, you know, should, did Obama do the right thing by coming back with another ad that seemed negative about McCain? And I think he, in some ways, he just was labeling McCain as, like, shameless. or I forget the words that he used, shameless, blameless, you know, like, I forget. Just, in other words, how dare you even put us in that category, you well, know? Well, he's so opposite. You know, we have to take a break, but Obama's like the opposite. He's like, he's an intellectual. It told, I agree with you. He's like, the opposite of Britney Spears. Uh, exactly. He's so stupid. I mean, so he stupid. is so smart, and he is just so uh, intelligent and, and <laughs> presidential. And, I mean, he's talking Britney Spears and Paris Hilton. Craziness, I mean, isn't it? Yeah, maybe he shouldn't come back with anything. It's not even worth it. Well, he did, un- he did, unfortunately. I thought he should just leave it. Yeah, well, I mean, those are his advisors. I mean, they tell him what to do, I assume, anyway. The 30 seconds. We're going to be back very shortly. You're talking to Catherine Sox and Lauren Dellar of Voice America Women's Network. I'm your social worker with a microphone. Talking about what you care about. News, relationships, health, finances. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. Join Gina Alzade every Wednesday for Journey with Gina. This program explores the modern-day issues that affect the body, mind, and spirit, aiming to help you gain and use critical life skills to overcome your challenges with grace and ease. Aim to come into your own power and make a difference in your life and the lives of those around you. Manage your stress and life transitions and create balance and harmony in your life. Journey with Gina is heard every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. I have a For the most current and up-to-date information and options in childbearing, family health, and parenting, tune in to Celestia Renese's Timely Topics in Childbirth, broadcasting every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you don't know your options, you don't have any. Over there, over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. 
But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Uh-huh. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, <laughs> no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. <laughs> Turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at pornlearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Great guests, great stories, great listening. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back to The Catherine Zox Show. I am Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone, and we are on Voice America Women's Network. Lauren Beller and Catherine Zox and our next guest. Next guest is Kim Regenhardt, and she's the author of A Survivor's Guide for the Breast Cancer Journey, an organizer and handbook for the newly diagnosed. And Kim, who had a thriving career and happy home life, in the spring of 1998, she discovered a lump in her breast, and that proved to be cancerous. So in one moment, Kim's busy, fulfilling life seemed to come to a standstill. But determined to overcome her cancer and still maintain a sense of normalcy, Kim continued in her career while at the same time researching breast cancer and breast cancer treatments, interviewing doctors, and pursuing a treatment course best suited for her and her family. Welcome to the show, Kim. Nice to have you on this morning. Do we have Kim? Lauren, are you there? I'm here. Okay. Can you hear Kim? I I cannot hear Kim. I can't either. Well, anyway, that's... It was a great introduction. <laughs> it was a great you? introduction. She'll be here any moment, I'm sure. Uh, she's a really brave lady. It's a, it's a the book is a it's like a it's almost like a recipe book. That's the way it's written. She's on. That's okay. Catherine. Can you yeah. hear me now? I can hear you now. Can you okay. hear me? I felt like the Verizon commercial for a minute. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I could hear you. All right, and now I can hear you. Uh, and thank you, you again for that uh, introduction. Uh, likewise, I think it was very uh, nice of you to have me on today. That's great. Well, Kim was on my show on Monday. I said, you got to come back. Did you think it would be so soon? <laughs> yeah. All right, but, I mean, the, the book is great, and, and um, it, it's exactly that, a survivor's guide for the breast cancer journey and your journey began you were really young what 41 42 years old right, when you I was discovered 41 the lump. years old and uh, as you said just working along and happily married and life was good and then all of a sudden you discover a lump in your breast and your life has turned totally upside down when did you discover the lump you discovered it wasn't at the doctor wasn't a mammogram no it was through a self-breast exam and i um, tried to uh, ignore it for a few days and it didn't go away so ended up going to the hospital went through the biopsy um, and then had a lumpectomy and because it had not spread through my lymph nodes actually chemotherapy was optional for me but i decided to go ahead i was mentally psyched up for it felt like that i never wanted to go back and regret anything so i went ahead and did the chemotherapy and then and radiation after that. So it was a long first year. So there were choices because, you know, sometimes, you, I mean, I know 
women diagnosed with breast cancer sometimes feel, well, there, there are no choices. You know, I just, I, there's a sort of a routine that you follow. But that's not true because you didn't necessarily have to have chemo, for instance. But you were young, and I assume healthy came into play. So um, as part of your decision to have the chemo. And my six-year-old son, I think, and came yeah. into play as well. Um, yeah, I think everybody's situation is so different, and it is individualized disease, and there are a lot of choices that you can make. And the more proactive that you can be in making sure that you're asking the right questions and that you're equipped with the information you need to know, you know, you'll be able to find the treatment that's best suited for you and your particular situation. So, Kim, what's the scariest thing about having breast cancer? I mean, you mentioned in the beginning, I mean, and I, w- I, I know I would do the same thing. You feel the lump and you think, well, okay, it'll, it'll go away in a couple of days and you, you know, and, and you hope that it does and then it doesn't. Then what goes through your mind? You know, the scariest thing was thinking that I was going to die and that I wasn't going to be here to watch my child graduate from high school or see his, you know, kids or anything like that. And that's probably the, I think, probably one of the greatest fears that most women have. Um, but I think at the same time, um, there, is so, there are so many survivors out there. There's so many different treatment plans that are out there today, especially for breast cancer, that um, having a diagnosis of breast cancer doesn't mean death, but yet your mind automatically goes there. So you need support. You need support. I mean, friend, you writing this book or coming on shows and talking to you, just getting it out there and being able to talk about it, and, and I think that isn't that the first step? It is, and, and, you know, being able to understand breast cancer, learning the language to be able to talk breast cancer, not only with other survivors and friends and relatives, but with your medical providers is really key. So understanding the information and and knowing what questions to ask. So the a Survivor's Guide for the Breast Cancer Journey, the book that I wrote, is truly not a book that you would read from start to finish. It's truly a guide and a companion for someone newly diagnosed to kind of help them through the whole process from the point of diagnosis all the way through recovery. There's a section in there about, you know, how to reclaim your life after cancer because it's it's a traumatic event and there's a lot that you want to do after you go through the process um, to repurpose yourself. So it is it can be very overwhelming, but the, the purpose of this particular um, guide is to help you stay calm and help you stay focused on becoming well. And part of that, I think, is staying in control. So staying organized, keeping track of everything, having a directory and a calendar and pockets to collect all the key information um, because you're just overwhelmed with information from going out and exploring things yourself by Googling to all the doctor's advice that you get. And it's really important to make sure that you have a tool that you can collect and be somewhat organized. And I think that it helps us all stay a little bit more calm and in control. Yeah, and I think that's the key to this guide, which you have absolutely done, because you're doing, I mean, you're using this guide in the context of being terrified and vulnerable and scared, and you say, like, it's really important to ask the right questions to the doctor. I mean, you have the questions all written down. They're right there. You don't really have to be Googling and thinking about it. So you've got your, and the, you know, the key questions that one would ask in the beginning. But one thing you have in the book, and you talk about, like what you just said, it's a guide. It takes you through beginning to end. You don't have to read the whole thing all at once. It's where you are in the process. Right. But you said, Kim, like once you've been diagnosed and you've had the treatment and now 
you want to, quote, go back to normal, but it really isn't that. It's, you go, it's a new normal. Talk right. to us about that. Because I think people want to just block it out and it's done and it's over. And it's, you're not going to go back to the way it was. Right, right. Well, first of all, I think right after you go through your series of treatment, you have this um, uh, this fear of recurrence uh, constantly. You're constantly worrying about is it going to come back and where is it going to come back and those kinds of things. And that is very typical of people going through any kind of major illness, you know, whether it's a stroke or it's a... Um, you know, um, a heart attack. A heart attack. Or they're going to have another heart attack again. Right. You know, in my family, one of my father had that, and he was he was always terrified. Right. For the next twenty years, and what a waste of you know energy. Yeah, and I think staying on top of your medical appointments is really important. And I think sometimes, as you said, sometimes you kind of go through denial and say, good, I'm, that's behind me, that's part of my history, but I'm moving on now. And you want to go back to life as it used to be. And, but making sure that you're making time for those follow-up care appointments is really important so you stay on top of things. And that gives you the comfort and the reassurance that you need that you're healthy again. Kim, what about the idea, though, that... And I, you know, I have friends. One in particular, I'm thinking about, it's like not wanting to be labeled as a cancer patient or a cancer survivor. Not wanting a label that ha- it implies illness or sickness or a condition. Just wanting to kind of put that aside. I mean, because is that part of it? I know it is for her. Yeah, I think everyone's a little bit different. I've I've also experienced some people too that are not interested in talking about it and. Um, are very much want to put it behind them and not acknowledge that this is part of their history now. Um, and, and you know, I, again, it's very individualized, and, and I can't try to understand where everyone is coming from. For me personally, it, it's something that I, I, I want to talk about because I think part of my purpose in having breast cancer was truly not only to write this this book and have a resource for other people to hopefully be a resource and inspiration for people going through that journey. But also, it's healthy for me to go back and think about what it meant to me and how I felt and how important life is today Um, and making sure that I'm always making healthier choices and I'm making better decisions about how to live my life and how to give back to the community. Um, So that's just how I am, and, and I can't always understand, you know, where other people are coming from. But I know that that is a um, that is something that I see quite often. What about Kim? Your own family now, your son, your your husband, um, because you know, as you as you just said, I think when we first started talking, I mean, it's not just about you. It's when you're diagnosed with cancer or breast cancer. It's also about your whole family. They're emotional. You know, uh, the, the makeup of uh, how you react and how they react and, and how, you know, they respond to you, all of that. Um, do you talk about that in the in the guide? You know, I actually have a removable caregiver guide in the back of the journal itself, and it's something that you can take out and give to someone that uh, is a caregiver for you. And I think that truly providing care for someone with a cancer patient can almost be as demanding um, as having it and going through it yourself. I mean, I, I swear that it was harder for my husband and my sister than it was for me because I kind of knew what I needed to do and there were certain things that I had to get very tactically focused on where I think it's harder for them to sit back and they don't know how to help and people want to help, they just don't know how. So the the whole purpose behind the caregiver guide is to um, help 
that person know how to take care of the person with cancer, but also how to take care of themselves. Some people get so absorbed with the person with cancer that they forget that they might need support themselves or they might need some days off or, you know, they might get burnt out because they're just overwhelmed with um, the patient and not exercising, not eating well, those kinds of things. It's like putting the oxygen mask on yourself so that you can help somebody else. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah, and, uh, and, and, you know, we only have a couple minutes left, but and I, I just want to, like, because I think this is really important, your son, I mean, like, his response and how do you talk to your kids? You know, and I gave him digestible chunks of information. Again, he was only six years old, so very young. Um, But I also didn't want him to hear the information from someone else and be more scared than than we were. So I really sat down with him periodically and gave him information that I felt like that he could understand and diagnose or um, uh, digest. Digest, yeah. Well, Survivor's Guide to the Breast Cancer Journey, Kim Regenhard. Uh, you can buy it Barnes and Noble, bookstores everywhere? Not yet. Not uh, yet? But they can purchase it on my website, which is riverstonejournals.com. Great. Thanks so much for being on the show this morning. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Great to have you, Kim. We're going to take a short break. Lauren Beller, Catherine Zox, Voice America Women's Network. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning, and don't go away. issues, parenting, addictions, disorders, anxiety, stress? How do we expand on what's working and improve what's not? Let Quantum Leaps with Beth Wilson bring you a high-energy approach to personal growth and creative life change. Listen every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Women's Channel. Let Beth bring you back to sanity with a blend of humor and perspective so you can make the change you need. Quantum Leaps with Beth Wilson, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, here on Voice America Women's Channel. Hey, Dad. What? I can't get the ketchup bottle open. Here, let me try. Here you go. Thanks. You don't have to be a hero to be a hero. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Are the days passing by faster than you can believe? Do your kids, job, pets, family, errands, and life demands leave no time left for you? Listen to Life Tune-Ups with Lauren Slocum each week. You can have it all, balance it, and truly enjoy your life. Be ready to have fun, laugh, and learn from celebrities and everyday heroes. We don't need an entire life overhaul, just a little bit of tweaking for our lives to be what we want. Life Tune-Ups with Lauren Slocum, every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Women's Network. Your life is waiting for you. Finally, radio that has real depth. Voice America Women's Radio Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Catherine Zox Show. Thanks for joining us this morning. I'm Catherine Zox with Lauren Beller on Voice America Women's Network, and I am your social worker with a microphone. 
uh, our next guest, Nell Merlino. Actually, our next guest, uh, Lauren, you know our, or you've met our next guest. Maybe she remembers you. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but Nell is, uh, is actually, she's the one who started uh, or, t- or was the founder of Take Your Daughters to Work Day. And now she has launched a new business called Count Me In, a nonprofit which is now working to inspire one million women to achieve one million dollars in revenue by 2010 because apparently only three percent of women-owned businesses are at that level. Welcome to the show, Nell. Nice to have you on. Oh, it's so nice to be with you. How are you today? I am fine. You got like a really hot topic there. So you we sure do. We sure do. Million dollars. How do we do it? Count me in. <laughs> we we are inspiring women across the country who have businesses who have got a good product or service and are now just want to know exactly what they need to do to grow it. And there are thousands of them out there. And as we provide the information that we have on our website as well as what we do at our live events, just so many women are stepping forward and seeing that they can do it. So so, it's, but why it's, haven't they done it up to this point? I mean, women, and then the second question is, because I, I, I don't know if you were listening to the show, but I was talking yes. to somebody who had been a CEO of a big company, and he said that even men, a lot of men entrepreneurs, and I don't know what the stats are, don't earn or don't bring in revenues of a million dollars. I mean, to, to give you, to, to, to put that in perspective, because yeah. I think it's important, getting to a million dollars is a big deal for a man or a woman. It's not like, you know, Every man who ever started a business has done it, and we're just, you know, you know, sitting back or something. Yeah. In, in, on, on the male side of the aisle, when you look at the census statistics, about a million men have gotten to a million, you know, or are at a million. So there are 250,000 women at a million, at 250,000 at a million, and then there are a million men at a million. Okay. So that's, so that's the ratio. So it's not like women haven't done it. It's just enough of us, you know, or, or not as many women as men have done it. So, th- so that's what I think. But certainly, because there are 10.5 million women in business, and there are about a million, uh, 11 million men in business. So that so, holds us back. Why aren't we doing it? I mean, do we get to a certain point in a business where we just, you know, we're good at the beginning, but then when it starts growing, we sort of uh, don't have the skills to, to make more money? I, I don't want to answer the question. Why haven't we done it? What's I think it's a combination of things. One, women only got bus- the right to business credit in their own name in 1974 under the Equal Credit Act. So we haven't been at it as long as men have. So that's number one. I just think there's a historical piece. We're playing catch-up. I think the second piece is that um, we do get to a point, and it's a real turning point. It's at about, you know, if you've got something good to sell and you get to about 250000 300000 in revenue, if you don't know another person or another woman who's grown her business, you're often not sure what to do. And, and where do you go for that information? And how do, you, how do you figure out what's best for you? Because a lot of women are combining their need to take care of their family and maybe have left a job with a structure that doesn't work for them with, with their interest and, and desire and need to grow a business. So how do you do all that in a way that you can meet all of your responsibilities and make money and build a business and hire more people? And, and, and I think the thing that we've seen more than anything is women need help really learning how to delegate. I think this is true of men, too, but I'm not an expert on male business owners. I'm, a, I'm an expert on women. And women need to really understand how to figure out what they're best at in their business you know, if they came up with the idea, are they best at selling, are they best at, you know, creating more products, whatever it is that they're best at, and then who do they need to surround themselves with to grow the business so that they're not up at 3 a.m. packing the boxes like so many small business owners are. If you want to grow, you have to start to figure out how to spread out the work so that you can do more of it and, and service more customers, create more products. So how, uh, so, uh, 
are there emotional, it's one thing to tell women you have to do this, and I think you've really, you know, honed in on all the, I mean, it really rings true with, with me and, and friends mm-hmm. and, and my friends, but are there emotional barriers that get in the way that we have to work on so that we're able oh, to? Oh, sure. Yeah. I, I, what I have found is kind of counterintuitive. It's, um, we start businesses. The other reason women start businesses, I think this is true of men too, you start because you, you don't want a boss. You want to be your own boss. You want to be your own boss. You think you've got a good idea, and, and, but we get confused into thinking we want to do our own thing, with it meaning we have to do everything ourselves. So you really got to separate those things. It's like people, women, when we have, we have new babies or children or somebody that we take care of, we often think that no one else can do for them what we do. And no one else may be able to do it exactly the way we do, but certainly someone can, can you know, make lunch or, or, you know, help your kid get dressed or whatever those things are. And I think it is some sort of letting go of some of the things that other people could do, uh, you know, in a business that you've been doing, and they'll do a fine job of it. That, uh, you know, that is such a good example, and it's something yeah. that women can translate taking care of their children into the business arena. And, you know, my mother helped me with that. She, I, had, I have three boys. I had three little boys under the age of six. And mm-hmm. she said, you need help. This is, of all times yes, you do. Like, this is when you need help. You need one person to show for one of the kids so that you can spend, uh, you know, it, I don't know if she said quality time, but so that you can be with the others and enjoy them. You can have somebody else make dinner. It's okay. One person doesn't need to do the whole thing, and you're in much better, you do a better job. And I, I guess what you're saying is it's the same thing if you translate that into running a business. Yes. You, you really have to start to, 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 to look at your work that way. And, and the, the other thing is that because other people are helping you doesn't mean it's not yours. That, you know, it, that, that, that somehow that means that it's not your business and that you're not in charge of it. I, I think the, the, the other piece of this is that a lot of women, when they first heard about Make Mine a Million Dollar Business, said to me, oh, Nell, this sounds great, but I, I, I'm not sure I want to be a millionaire and I'm not sure how this will impact my relationship with my family. And what we've learned is that the more help you get, the more time you actually have, this quality time you have to spend with your family. If you're doing everything yourself in your business, you don't have time for anybody. You don't have time for yourself. You don't have time for your family. If you start growing the business and have other people helping you, you actually can schedule time to have lunch with your children or, or get home in time you know, to go to a, you know, a ball game or whatever it is because you've got other people who can answer the phone and, and, and deal with customers and all that stuff. What it, about it, this, Nell? What about women being afraid to actually earn money? If they think, because that, that if you start earning a yes. million dollars, that puts you in a power position that maybe, just psychologically, you're not supposed to earn. You're not supposed to earn more than your husband. You're not supposed to, you know, it's kind of those supposed to's. That, yes, yes. Yeah. And, and we have had just, we have amazing stories of women whose husbands have come to work for them in the business. Uh, Husbands, I had a man call me and thank me after his wife had been in the Make Money Million Dollar Business Program for about six months. And I was so, I was so, I was, it was very nice, but I, I said, you know, why are you calling? And he said, because I got my wife back. And I said, what do you mean? He said, before she got in this program, she was working seven days a week, you know, from, from like nine to, you know, like seven. I, I, I never saw her. He said, now that she understands how to delegate and has gotten more people in here, she works nine to five, and she only works Monday through Friday. They took the first vacation they've taken together in like six years. And now they had a million dollars to go where they want. She's, <laughs> she's at five million. She went five. from four hundred thousand to five million in eighteen months because she and she went from ten employees to eighty-six employees. 
she really got the message about how to spread out what, what she was supposed to be doing, which was getting contracts and what everybody else was supposed to be doing. She used to spend all her time checking up on the 10 employees she had when she was supposed to be out selling as opposed to focusing on getting the contracts. And I have dozens and dozens of stories like this where if you tell your family what you're trying to achieve, as opposed to, like, you know, trying to separate your life so much that your family doesn't know what's going on at your business, but let them know what's going on and what you're trying to achieve and that you're doing it not only for yourself but for them. You're doing it for them so that you can, you can send your kids to, to, to you know, a, a school that you think would be great for them or, or you know, to a great camp program or, or, you know, or save for college or whatever you're going to do with the money so that it isn't viewed as something that's, that, that, that's, that, that excludes them. Such a good that, point. I think men do that huge. all the time. When men went off to work, it was, I'm doing it for my family. I work hard for right. my family. Right, and so are we. Yeah. And so are we. And, and, and because I think there's some view somehow that if you want this, it's, it's just for you. It's, it's, it's for anyone, it's rarely just for you. You know, what are you going to do, roll around in the money by yourself? <laughs> I mean, you know, you do it. You do it because you want to have these great things, you know, with your family or, or your friends or however that works, um, you know, and your customers and all that stuff. And I think women can bring this kind of insight into, uh, you know, why we do these things. And it's not to exclude your family, but it's in fact to, to, to involve them. So we we are. We're working on a whole like project with, I, with the some of the that you gave husbands in the program. Examples. Um, I, what a... I mean, Nell, do you use these women to be mentors for other women? You know, we've got like a few minutes left, so I yes. want to know the specifics of Count Me In. Yes. Know, we've been talking about the mission and the need and all that, but how do we do it? What do we do? We, okay, this fall we have events all over the country, um, and I would urge women to go to makemindamillion.org, see if there's, there's an event, you know, near them. We're going to be in... We're in Chicago tomorrow at, at, a, uh, at a women's expo in Chicago. We're in Albuquerque in, in September. But look there. Come to one of our events if you can. Certainly, you know, sign up on the website. It's, it doesn't cost anything. You get all kinds of information. We have an educational website uh, that AIG just helped us build that is unlike anything I've seen. And we did it looking at 150 educational sites and also talking. We have 60,000 women in our community already talking to them about what it is that they really need. And they told us, and we have put it in this educational website, you can figure out how to do your cash flow, all kinds of things that help you sort of come to terms with your financials in a way that's helpful to you. So I would say get involved because the other thing that holds women back is we work by ourselves and we don't talk to other people. So you end up having a conversation with yourself when always two, three, four brains are better than one. You know, and certainly 60,000 brains, you know, understanding a business and helping you think through and you find customers and people to do business with. So I would just urge women to, to, to you know, join us, um, see what it's about. And we always are discussing, you know, what to do with the kids, you know, what to do, you know, with, with aging parents. You know, how do, we, how do we fit all that into this and grow our business? We have women who are having babies this year who are also growing their business to a million. So there are lots of, of ways to think about this and lots of ways to be successful at this. Now, Nell Merlino, great. Go to the website, Count Me In, and it's literally Count Me In on all, you know, family, Count money, me in. Org. Count it. me in.org and makemindamillion.org. Either one will get you to all this information. 
Terrific. Thanks so much for being on the show this morning. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, Thank lots you. Lots of great information, ladies. Nell uh, Berlino, count me in. And uh, we're going to take another short break, Lauren and I, Catherine Zox on Voice America Women's Network. I am your social worker with a microphone. Uh, don't go away. We don't beat you over the head with our opinion, and we listen to yours. The new face of talk radio, Voice America Women's Radio Network. Mom? Dad? How long should I wait for you? Mom? If I'm at soccer practice... What if something happens? Will you come get me? Should I stay where I am and wait for you? Or go to Grandma's house since it's closer? Shouldn't we pick a place for me? There's no reason not to have a plan in case of a terrorist attack. Mom, if you're not home, should we go to the neighbor's house? How do we keep in touch with each other if the phones don't work? Should I be worried how we all get home? And some extremely good reasons why you should. Can you tell me? Everybody should have a plan. Take five minutes to talk about where you'll meet and how you'll get in touch with each other in an emergency. For other things you can do to be prepared, visit www.ready.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Let's sing that new song. My music track, track. Track from my modem jack, jack, jack plays MP3s, threes, threes, and I download fast, fast, fast. I read the bits, bits, bits on the microchips, chips, chips, and I burnt, burnt, burnt all my favorite hits, hits, hits. By the sixth grade, many girls lose interest in technology, but parents can help keep them updated. Go to girlsgotech.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Girl Scouts of USA and Ad Council. We don't beat you over the head with our opinion. And we listen to yours. The new face of talk radio. Voice America Women's Radio Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. I'm your social worker with a microphone. Good morning, everyone. Well, Nell, you didn't... I, Laura, I thought you could say something to Nell. She's like, she's incredible. She's like, uh, it's amazing. She's got like, great energy. I couldn't say anything. How could I get a word in? You <laughs> <laughs> spot in. Hey, Nell, I want to... She, uh, she's got a lot to say, and she's on a roll. She's been doing this, like, I don't know. I want to say, I was curious how long she's been doing it, four or five years, I think. And oh, so you met her like two years ago? She oh no, I met right... her like four or five years ago. I'm pretty sure she rolled out. The, I was in the room where she rolled out the program. 
go? Uh, did you go to the website? Count me in. I have been lots of times. Yeah, it's a very cool website. I like the. I also like the way it looks. It's a, I forgot AIG. Is that who she said designed it? Or what? Oh, I didn't hear her say that. Yeah, I don't know. But she and, and also somewhere I read that she was partnering. I don't know. Don't quote me. Is it with American Express? No. Yeah, oh, she has partnered with American Express. Yeah. Or I should say they're backing part of the program, I think it is. Yeah, so that's really important. I mean, when you get these big companies to, to, uh, to partner with or to back you up or whatever, the, you know, I don't know what the business arrangement is. But so much, I, see, I really, I kept asking her, and I, I, I think there's a whole issue here. Maybe it's because I'm a social worker, but, like, you, you have to identify why women don't make a lot of money, but I think the psychological stuff really gets in the way. I totally agree with you. And I think that that needs to be addressed early on. Like, what's in the way of thinking I can or I can't? Because what she, yeah, because, I mean, Lauren, what she said about um, women trying to separate their business from their family, and I think the reason behind that is because women tend to feel guilty that they're doing business, so they're kind of like running around trying to, this isn't getting, sort of making excuses, well, my business isn't getting in the way of my family, so they don't want to, you know, they don't talk about it, they keep it separate, and I think that's part of it, whereas men don't have that, you know, hey, I'm doing business because I'm, this is good for my family. Well, and they also, there's not a, they don't try to keep it, I shouldn't say that, they, it's not a big deal if they keep it separate, because they can work at it 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week, and it's acceptable. It would, well, you, that's true. I mean, because if you're a woman and you start doing that, it's like you're neglecting your family. Exactly. Yeah. You know, where's dinner? Where's groceries? I don't know where dinner is. <laughs> exactly. I can't find it. <laughs> I can't find dinner. What happened to it? It ran down the road. Get somebody to make dinner. It gets back to it. And I say this all the time. I really believe it. You do, however you can figure it out, ladies, whether you can afford to get a nanny or whether you pay the high school kid down the street to come into your house, and you're there, so you're supervising, but you have another pair of hands because you're sitting in some city and your mother doesn't live there or your grandmother or your aunt, you're isolated. Get somebody to help you. It's okay. You'll do a better job. I agree with that. You can't do it all all by yourself. But women don't. They, I don't think they get it. And they're proud when they start talking about I'm a soccer mom and I'm driving 14 kids around and I'm doing and and somehow you they think that you're going to get an, you know a gold star for that and you're not. <laughs> hey, we well, were, I think that it, we were we think that we're going to get a gold star for that because I do think there's something about not asking for help. It's really interesting. I, this is a big pet peeve of mine. You've just hit on a big one um, because I think that we as women have been raised that not to ask for help and. I think it's important to ask for help. I, I applaud Sierra when she asks for help. She says, Mommy, I need help. And I get crazy with her father when he says, You can do that by yourself, even when she asks for help. And I say, Absolutely not. If she asks for help, I will go help her because I want her to know there's power in asking for help. And well, and there's both, actually. I mean, there's that balance. You want to be able to, you don't want to be a wimp, though. No, but at the same time, but there's so many things that the, she already does, and when she does it by herself, I applaud that, too. But I don't push. You know what I mean? I yeah. don't push either. I let I applaud both. So it's in the context. She's a very uh, autonomous young two year old, and she is. Believe me, I've seen her. And so, but there's that bound. But you can't ask for help. I see. Yeah, and uh, that is, I never thought about it. I that think way. that we really we created this for women not asking for help, and I really do think we've created this. And how do we uncreate it? We start from scratch, and as we have to learn as adults. We have to learn it brand new again. But I do think that there's something we can do for our daughters that is helping them 
see the power of asking for help. And also, as you're saying, the power of doing things by ourselves. But what can we do? By, we can brush our teeth, by, our teeth by ourselves. That's an excellent thing to do by yourself. You know what I mean? <laughs> there's lots we can do by ourselves, but there's certain things that we don't have to. I mean, do we have to wash our floors by ourselves? We do it together, you know? I hate washing floors, so I don't want to do it by myself. No, I don't wash my floor. I, I have to say, I don't really wash my floor. But if we <laughs> spill apple juice, I knew you didn't. If we because spill you apple have juice the on cleaning the, service in, I do. The floor. But, so but do if I. we spill apple juice on the floor, we'll do it together. So it's important for her to clean up her own messes. Will I help her? Yes, but it's her mess. She'll clean it up. She's going to be in preschool delegating authority. She already is. (laughs) I have to tell you that she was in swim class yesterday, and her nanny took her, and she was not standing in the deep enough water, the nanny. So she got down off the slide, walked back down the stairs, got in the water, and pushed her into the spot in the deep water that she wanted her to stand in, and then proceeded back onto the the slide, the swim slide, and swim and and slid back into the deep water, and then she was happy. Well, she's got it. She's going to be the CEO. Of she doesn't have to worry about that. She's going to count me in. She's already halfway there. Oh man, but that's what you have to do. I mean, you you're do right. have that's, to do that. Yeah, but uh, you know, but she's just starting out. Okay, so she's going to be fine because she's got a mother like you. But these, these ladies. But we can change. Yeah, we you can know, change. Us, I mean, I had to learn how to ask for help. I was such an independent. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And it was such a free like a feeling of freedom when I realized I don't have to do this alone. This, I mean, I, it was amazing, marketing and coaching. But part of it is, don't you think, and I know for me, Lauren, it was like, don't want to ask for help because then I appear weak. And, exactly. And I don't want to appear weak. I can't, I can't afford to appear weak in this sea of men that I'm surrounded with, so I can't do that. But, in this, but you actually do, you are, because there's so much to do, so much information, you really, as I, and I do that, and I really work on it, I... I ask for help. If I don't know something, I'm not, you know, embarrassed now to say, I don't know, you know, tell me about it, rather than pretending I know about something that I don't know about. That's another problem. I agree with you 100%. I think it's a really important thing. I mean, we, I think it, well, that's our issue, is we think that it makes us appear weak, when in reality, as Nell said, it's actually just the opposite. Because you get all this information. You get people to help you. You get stronger. You learn new things. I mean, yeah, so that's a major thing, and that's, I think that's, at the beginning, that whole psychological thing, and then that whole issue, which I asked her, and I still think it's an issue. What happens if I start earning, really start earning all this money? Um, you have to have a husband that doesn't have an ego, or a partner that doesn't or a have job. An ego. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He'll be happy. <laughs> but I, although I've met a lot of younger men now, um, and I always interview them, <laughs> uh, who are. I think, really proud that their wives not only work, but that they make money. I mean, I met a guy, he was telling me his wife is a travel agent, and she won this fabulous trip, you know, to some, you know, Ritz, I don't know if it was the Ritz-Carlton, but really fabulous place, and he was excited about it. Uh, I think, a lot, I mean, if they're really being true to themselves, they have to be. I mean, they have to be. I mean, that's, it takes a lot of burden off their shoulders. Yeah, and that's true. It takes burden off their shoulders, and, and Mommy, you know, I'm making this money, so I can take daddy and you on a trip around the world exactly if you ask my two and a half year old what mommy does in her office and what daddy does with her office she first says hello because we talk on the phone all the time and then she says we make money (laughs) (laughs) oh you are doing the right thing it's good she knows that we go to work to make money and then she actually told me the other day go to work mommy make money 
Oh, that's great. I love that. <laughs> that is very cool. Tell it like it is. Why? I mean, I don't just, I love what I do. I tell her that. I love what I do. I love to work. I love to play with you, and I love to work. So it's not, I don't make work bad. I make it fun, and I make it that we don't have to. It's a, In my position, I'm very fortunate. It's a choice. But it's also a choice to work really hard and make a lot of money. You know, it's a choice, too. It is a choice, and I think about I mean, what you're saying to your daughter. I don't think a lot of women say it. Maybe I'm, uh, you know, I don't know, but it seems to me I don't think a lot of women do say that I don't to their know. daughters. I, I mean, don't know. Yeah. I'd be curious. Mommy's gone to work to make a lot of money. That's right. Uh, yeah, which is, uh, we have 30 seconds left. <laughs> I'm always spies with Catherine. Yeah, we got lots more to talk about with this subject. This is, like, fantastic. I really like, I, I have to keep an eye on Nell and what she's doing, but anyway. That's our music. That's our goodbye music. We have 15 seconds, and we're going to say goodbye. You've been listening to Catherine Zox and Lauren Beller on Voice America Women's Network. Have a great day, and we'll see you next week. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversation with Catherine Zox.